0: Piece of good news, uh, I have a uh, short message for you today. Uh, it's in a difficult passage, uh, so we're going to have to spend some time in order to explain a few things there, but the message itself is, is short and sweet and yet important. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's about a mom's faith. And how her strength and commitment made a difference in her own family, but also in the lives of other people too. This mother's story is recorded for us in two places in the New Testament. It's found in Mark, uh, but we're going to be looking at the record that is found in Matthew chapter 15. And so I'd invite you to join me there or follow along on the screen as we look at verses uh, 21 through 28. Before we go there, however, Um, let me put this passage into uh, its context. Jesus has uh, just been in yet another confrontation with the religious leaders of his day. And he tells them that they're fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. It's not a good prophecy. Uh, He's telling them, he's filling it because they are honoring God with their lips, but their hearts were far from them. And he told them they worshiped God in vain because their teachings were merely human rules. And after that confrontation, the disciples tell Jesus just how offended those leaders were. To which he responds by saying, uh, among other things, leave them. Uh, They're blind guides. And if the blind lead, the blind both will fall into a pit. And it's then that Jesus, in a kind of symbolic way, turns his back on Israel and enters Gentile territory. And we see that in verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon were completely outside the lands of historic Israel. And at this point, I want us to recall that the disciples had been with Jesus. I mean, they knew him. They talked with him. They walked with him. They had seen him cast out demons and calm the sea. They'd seen him heal people and raise the dead and teach about God. And right next to that, put side by side on display, they saw the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. And that's the setting for what follows. They're taking away from that ugliness, and they're led into what the Jew of that day Regarded as godless territory. Most Jews avoided Gentile territory whenever they could, and the religious leaders especially disdained it. And the beginning of verse 22 emphasizes the pagan nature of that country when it says a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him. This is the only place in the New Testament where the word Canaanite is used in any form, And for a Jew, which was the audience to which Matthew was writing, it's his most Jewish of all the Gospels. That word Canaanite recalls the idolatry and the lostness of that ancient enemy of Israel. Uh, They were the people who originally inhabited the land, and they were turned out of it because their sin was so great. And that is who approaches Jesus, a Canaanite. And she came to him with a, a request. And we read again in verse 22. A Canaanite woman from the, from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Now, it may not surpri- be surprising that she... Um, asks Jesus for help, I mean, his reputation has really gone far and wide. And a careful reading of the gospel shows that many people from non-Jewish areas had joined the crowds that surrounded Jesus as he was in Galilean territory. Uh, but she calls him something. She calls him the son of David. And that's a unique term. That's a term that applied only to the Messiah. And when we read that, it seems that she... This pagan woman, this Canaanite, had a better appreciation or understanding of who Jesus really was than the Pharisees and Sadducees, the people who populated the Sanhedrin, with whom Jesus had just had that confrontation over their hypocrisy. Again, to the Jewish people, the audience that Matthew was writing to, this stood out like a neon sign. Th- their own leaders were opposing Jesus, while this woman in some way acknowledges him. And her plight was awful. For her daughter's plight was awful. Her, her child that she loved was demon-possessed and in terrible suffering. A- and this mother was in great anguish of heart and soul. The, the Greek verb indicates that she kept on... Crying out over and over again. And before we can understand that, and before we can look at the next verse, I want you to think about something. If you knew a person who, who was usually in a good humor, who almost responded to to other people, responsive to them and where they were in life and how they were feeling. A person who usually looked on the bright side of things and treated people kindly. And one day you run into him or her and they're down, and I mean they're down in the dumps and they're kind of grumpy and they seem to be lost in their own thoughts. You would almost certainly think of them that they're going through a difficult time. Uh, maybe maybe they're having financial problems or they're experiencing health issues or, or a family member is going through some kind of a hardship. You'd think that because their actions are so out of character for them at that time. But if you were to see Jesus acting out of character, you could not attribute that kind of of behavior to him, that kind of thing to him. You shouldn't think that he's having a bad day. I mean, this is a man who forgave his enemies while they were crucifying him. And if you see Jesus acting out of character, you have to assume that something else is going on. And there are several things like that in Jesus' life, where the unusual, a thing that you would have never expected... It happens, and, and if you begin to think about it and pursue it, it leads you to the real point that's being made. The, curing, the, the cursing of the fig tree, the two-step healing of the blind man, both of those are a kind of acted-out parable, each of which makes a powerful point when understood in their context and properly. And that is what's going on here in this section of Scripture And with that in mind, we're going to go on. And it's in verse 23 that we're told why this Canaanite woman had to keep crying out over and over again. It says Jesus did not answer a word. She cries out for help, but Jesus ignores her. He doesn't even say a thing to her. And this is so unusual. I don't know of another case like it in the Scriptures. People came to Jesus all the time, and, and, and he might ask him a question or in order to prompt some further comment or say something to get a response for them, but he always answered them. He always acknowledged them, and he always granted what they requested. But not here. There's something different going on. Something else is afoot in this passage. And she cries out, and she keeps crying out, and Jesus ignores her. And ignoring her was hard to do, as the rest of verse 23 demonstrates. Jesus did not answer her word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So Jesus is ignoring her. That's clear enough. But what's going on in the disciples here? What's happening in their heart and their mind? Or are they just annoyed by her persistent, pestering voice so that they want to get rid of her? Send her away, she's bothering us. Is that what they're saying here? Or are they asking Jesus to grant her request? I mean, do they feel pity for her, foreigner though she is? Are they, too, also wondering why Jesus isn't answering her? You know, one commentator says they're just trying to get her out of her hair. And, and another one says the disciples are baffled and they can't understand why Jesus doesn't give her what she's asking for. And so which one of those is right? Which commentator do we listen to? Well, I think it's the second option. The disciples want Jesus to grant her request. And I think that for a number of reasons. I think that because they've seen him in the past give. They've seen him grant requests and heal and deliver from demon possession and be kind and loving to people. And so many times before, they've seen that. And and not just with Jews. And the character of Jesus has been rubbing off on them all this time, I think. I mean, they're not perfect. Don't misunderstand. They have a long way to go. But they're already changing. I think it for those things. But I also think that this particular response also makes the most sense out of what Jesus says next in verse twenty-four. He says, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In essence, Jesus is saying here, I'm ignoring her. I'm not granting her a request because I was only sent to the Jewish people. And if the disciples were merely asking him to send her away because she was bothering him, that statement, Jesus' response, doesn't naturally follow. Now, I want to make note of this. It's obvious, but I want to make note of it. Jesus does not send her away, and that is significant. Yet, No matter how you shuffle this up, no matter how you cut the cards, that's a pretty hard statement, isn't it? You have to admit it is, but it gets even harsher when we see what happens next. In verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him, Lord, Lord. Help me, she said. I have to tell you, I can't help it. I, often, I read I mean this, and I, I kind of want to cry. I, I mean, tears come to my eyes. I, I, I hear the pain in that woman's voice. I, I see that humility as she kneels before Jesus. I feel that threadbare hope on which this woman is hanging. And if Jesus doesn't help her, who will? And then finally he answers her, and he denies her requests in the severest possible terms. Verse 26, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bed and toss it to the dogs. Wow. This reply of Jesus has generated so many comments. It's so hard. It's generated so many comments. are just stacks and reams of them. It's one of the most difficult things that Jesus has ever said. Now, some commentators explain it this way. They say the text can only capture the words, not the twinkle in the eye as he said those words. See, they think he's making some kind of a joke, even an inside joke that this woman herself was part of. And other commentators say, well, I don't know. And the Greek word here for dog, she it, it indicates not the mangy mongrels that were always scavenging and fighting and roaming the countryside. Rather, it refers to... The kind of dog which is kept as a family pet. And yet other commentators wonder, well, even if that were true, how does that make it any easier or more pleasant to hear? Uh, How does it make it any more acceptable? A dog is a dog. It's not a fellow human being. And others still observe that the Jews didn't keep pets like that. But they did refer to Gentiles as dogs. And there was nothing at all nice about that. Now, as ugly as all of that sounds, I have to tell you, this story has a happy ending and a few lessons besides. To get there, though, we're going to have to stop right here. We're going to back up a little bit, and we're going to ask a question. And I want you to answer me. I want you to tell me, was Jesus sent only for the lost sheep of Israel? Yes, salvation had to be offered to the Jew first, no doubt about that. Uh, The Messiah and Jesus, uh, the the salvation, both of those things, they they come from and through the Jew. There's no question about that either. But did Jesus only come for the Jewish people? Well, the answer is No. (laughs) From the time of Abraham onward we're told that all nations of the earth would be blessed to deceive the Messiah who would come from Abraham. The Old Testament foretold that the Messiah would save the nations. And the Gospels themselves all point to the end gathering of the Gentiles people. So so there's all of that. We know it can't be that, that, that he came only for the... Jewish people, and then there's too, if Jesus only came for the Jewish people, I cannot imagine him violating his call, as he surely does if that was true, when he grants this woman's request, and all of which follows. So just what is going on here? Well, the key to understanding this episode in Jesus' life is to know two things which I guess kind of amount to the same thing. First, the Jews referred to the Gentiles as dogs. And they thought of Gentiles as those people who were outside the concerns of God. He is demonstrating in the starkest possible way what those two ideas look like when they're carried out. It was even more jolting for the disciples because they had seen time And time again, the compassion and care and concern that Jesus showed for all types of people how accepting and loving he was. And and to see this was a shock to their system. I don't think Jesus could have taught this lesson more thoroughly or more convincingly than showing them what it would look like if God were really like that. And he showed them, he taught them by acting it out in front of them. That's the lesson he's teaching here. It's a powerable, acted out by Jesus. But the lesson isn't complete. It's not over. There's still more that comes from that. You see, the disciples are seeing what it would really look like to live that out, that racist idea, which infected so much of their Jewish culture. And, and they also had just seen that real lack of faith and humility on the part of the religious leaders. They saw the arrogance and the self-righteousness of those who had those ideas that held those kinds of ideas. But now they're going to be exposed to something that must have, I think it must have made their mouths hang open. I think they saw this and it just must have, the jaw must have dropped because they see real faith, genuine uh, life-changing, circumstance-altering faith. And it came from what, in their estimation, was the worst kind of Gentile Canaanite. See, when Jesus said it wasn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dog, that mother replied, in verse 27, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table." It is always right to do right. And by her response, she said, Okay, I'll accept the position you assigned to me. Just let me and my daughter have the crumbs. We'll take it. That'll be enough for us. What humility. What faith. He, He moves. Our God moves as we trust. He always responds to faith. And so in verse 28, we read this, Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. You see, Jesus wasn't just simply sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He came to seek and to save the lost wherever they lived, whoever they are, whatever their language or nation or people or tribe or group or the color of their skin or anything else, salvation was offered to the Jew first, but it was always meant for all people. And this Gentile woman had great faith. Jesus says so, not me. And the only other time in the Gospels where Jesus said someone had great faith, that was also said to a Gentile, to the centurion who was willing to take Jesus at his word concerning that healing of his servant. And that healing was also done at a distance, just like this one. Uh, We we looked at this story today because we need to be reminded of just what a mother's faith can do. Look at how great her faith was. Look at it. Look at what it brought about. Because of her faith, her daughter was healed. Her life and her family's life is changed forever. And not just because her daughter was healed, but because Christ lives in them. And the disciples saw something. They were taught something in in a powerful way. And it changed them and it would continue to change them. This is the kind of thing that happens in the lives of a believer. That's kind of like a a river coursing through their life. It just keeps moving you in, in the right direction. The effects of this teaching would continue throughout their lives. And this woman's faith allowed that lesson to be taught. I mean, Jesus could treat her the way he did so that he could demonstrate this truth to the disciples. He could bring honor and glory to God through it as he revealed this deep truth because her faith was great. And that woman's faith, I believe, went even further. Her story would have grown legs. (laughs) And it would have traveled. And Jesus left that house after he'd spent time there. And and then he went into the Decapolis. That's Gentile territory. You understand that? And he healed them. And he taught them. And the text tells us those Gentiles, those pagans, gave glory to the God of Israel. As amazing as that is, because of the vision that was between those people. When Jesus multiplied just a few loaves of bread, a little bit of fish, feeding over 4,000 people who had been with him for three days. I mean, he didn't disdain their company, did he? He was with them for three days. And he fed them just as he had fed the Jews with the five loaves and two fishes, And all of that confirms the truth that Jesus didn't come only for the Jews. He came to save everyone and it validates our understanding of this event. Look, mother's faith is powerful. It it works powerfully in our children and all of our family, including her husband. My wife's faith mattered to my kids, and it matters to me. I find strength there. It makes a difference in their community. It it can change the world. Mothers go through hard times. Life doesn't always seem fair. But their love for the family is a factor in strengthening their faith. And mom's faith, in turn, strengthens her loved ones. So I want to say to you, moms, today, (laughs) keep up the good fight. (laughs) God always responds to his people. God always responds to faith. God always does what is right. And a mom's faith is a powerful thing. I don't know, uh, some of you haven't been here before, but um, as a church, usually we take this Sunday and we set aside some time. Uh, to give thanks to our moms, (laughs) a chance for you to kind of stand up where you are and give thanks for your mom or your wife or maybe a daughter or some mother that you know. And uh, Proverbs 31 31 says this about mothers. Honor her for all her hands have done and let her works bring her praise in the city gate. And we don't have city gates in our days. settings like this have to serve. And so, as I've always done, I want to offer you that opportunity to give thanks uh, to your mom or grandmom or whoever it might be. So I've got a microphone down here, and uh, we want people...